Be prepared. It's the 60 Minute Dash. I don't believe what I just saw. With your host, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. And he drives one. Deep right field. Back goes Eaton. It's over his head. And the Mets win the ball game. Michael Conforto with his first career walk-off hit. And the Mets pull it out in the bottom of the ninth, 7 to 6. Do you believe in miracles? Well, if you're a Mets fan, you might certainly start believing. You have to believe if you're a Mets fan right now. This is the 60-Minute Dash on Old Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting with Hunter out. I am Nick Paolucci going flying solo today, going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. And listen, New York sports are hot right now. They're hot, especially in Major League Baseball. We've had the New York Yankees, the Baby Bombers, all year bashing home runs over the wall, making noise, making sure their voices are heard, even with next man up. I mean, if you look at their injured list, man, would you even believe if I told you that they'd be plus 30, game, 30 games over 500 at this point in the season with the pitching that they have? It's unbelievable what they're doing right now. But also, we got the team... Crosstown rival over in Queens, the New York Mets coming back to life this year when they were 10 games under 500 after the All-Star break. You left them out for dead. We all did. Even true firm Mets believers started to be like, ah, I don't know. I don't know about Mickey Callaway. I don't know about Brody Van Wagenen. I don't know about this year. But it seems... That the magic has come back to Flushing, Queens, New York for the New York Mets. Because they're alive right now. They already had superb pitching. We all know that. Were you going into the season on paper? You're like, this team across the board on their starting rotation, it's filthy. It is filthy. You had reigning Cy Young Award winner Jacob deGrom. You had... Thor, Noah Syndergaard throwing 99-mile-an-hour fastballs and then a 91-mile-an-hour slider. You had Zach Wheeler, who had one of the more dominant second-half portions of last season. Steven Matz, homeboy. Even he can get you in some work, although he runs into trouble here and there. He's not good on the road. And with the addition of a guy who Steven Matz played with and played against in his later teens, Marcus Stroman, who we got from Toronto. He's on this starting rotation, and it seems that the Mets were starting to put something together. And then one win, two win, three win, seven-game winning streak puts them in the mix for the wild card. They lose one to the Pirates, but they still win the weekend. And they... What does Mickey Callaway do? He addresses his team. He's like, all right, no big deal. Let's go out and make another streak. And that's just what they did. They went out there and produced an improbable run by a team. Like I said, was left for dead. This team was done. They were supposed to be sellers at the trade deadline, July 31st. Noah Syndergaard may not have been here. Zach Wheeler may not have been here. But instead, we went out and got Marcus Stroman, who didn't look good in his first start on the road, but we won the game. Friday night, it was a little shaky. He came together. He got double-digit strikeouts, and we came back and won that game. The emphatical way that the Mets won these first two games this weekend against the Washington Nationals, who we're chasing in the wild card, I promise, uh, it brings us back to 2015. Noah Syndergaard was right. This is reminiscent of 2015 season. Do you remember when the Mets were supposed to trade away Wilmer Flores and the tears ran down his face as he was playing shortstop? Trade doesn't go through. We get, go on to get Joanna Cespedes by the trade deadline. And next thing you know, the Mets are making a run to go into the postseason. They win the National League East. And it seems, as this year, 
it's almost identical to that feat. Where you have Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler on the tra- trading block. Mets fans were like, oh no, we're really going to get rid of Noah Syndergaard? Is this really going to be it? It didn't happen that way. Wound up not trading them. And now, going on this magical run that they're on, they're now four games above 500. Yeah, four games above 500 after being 10 games under just four weeks ago. That has happened. But then this weekend, much like in 2015 when they were down two games behind the Nationals in the National League East, and they swept them with the walk-off home run by Wilmer Flores. City Field was rocking. And let me tell you, this week, watching, even watching these games at home and at work, that place was rocking. I felt it in my chest as I watched each and every pitch, every at-bat. These guys are in it. They don't give up. They don't quit. I think the camaraderie of this team is incredible. You know, it's something that you don't see on Major League Ball Clubs all the time. But this team, there's something about them that gives you the spark. That gives you a little sliver of hope that, you know, maybe this could be. And this team really could be. This team is a contender. They're right around where they were expected to be at this point in the season. Even after a dreadful first half. It's improbable. We added Chopanic last week. It was another huge pickup. He got himself an RBI hit this weekend. A couple hits. And a great, great pickup with the loss of Robinson Cano. Now your defense, your, your middle infield, is pretty much lo- shut down. Chopanic made an incredible play yesterday in the hole going to his left side. Incredible play. Probably could have saved a run or two. And I think that the Mets could have won yesterday. They really could have won yesterday. So I'm not really mad at the loss yesterday. I'm not mad that we're still behind and we still got to chase them. And listen, I, I get a lot of people are saying, oh, you played the White Sox, you played the Pirates, they're, they're their secondary teams. You know, you're, you're, yeah, you're supposed to win those games. Good teams beat those teams out. And sweep them. And that's just what the Mets did. They took care of business. They did what they had to do. And you know what? In these first two games of the National Series, when they were down, they, they crawled back. They clawed back. Luis Guillorme with a game-tying home run, the most improbable guy on the team that would have done that job. And he gets it done. That's just what good teams do. And now, you don't hear anybody barking at Mickey Callaway. You don't hear anybody barking at Brody Van Wagen. And why? Because they're winning ball games. But the last time I checked, they're not on the field. And I say this to you guys a lot. A lot of people want to get on the heads of the front office. They want to get on the heads of the general manager, the manager. But listen, when, when it's all said and done, it's the guys out on that field that are producing. Earlier this season, when we blew 22 save opportunities, we had the lead in the eighth inning in 22 games and we lost it. We were out for Mickey Callaway. But what did you want him to do? You wanted him to go out there and pitch himself? Wanted him to hold his hand? What did you want him to do? There wasn't anything he could do. He had his hands tied pretty much. He, he had who he had in the bullpen and that was it. And now, I mean, the bullpen kind of turned it around last week. They, I mean, it looked pretty solid. Seth Lugo is probably one of the better pitchers right now in the second half. One pitcher of the month last week, uh, last month in July. And he went out and pitched two innings on Saturday night. Wasn't perfect, but he, ha- he put the nail in the coffin and he got what the team needed. They got him a win. The only guy you're really concerned with is Edwin Diaz, who you know was supposed to be your blockbuster trade. It didn't happen that way. I mean, the guy has... A 5.60 ERA, he's allowed 11 home runs already, one yesterday, and only 45 innings pitched. At this point, you know, it's almost a lost cause. Seth Lugo has earned himself a closer role on the New York Mets. Am I wrong? 
Because, I mean, he's pretty much proved to me why he should be out there more than Edwin Diaz. I mean, obviously, you're still going to have to pitch him. You know, but, I mean, it's a little more different of a situation than the Yankees have. The Yankees have to use, you know, get 12 to 15 outs with their bullpen. Four out of five days. The Mets don't have to do that because of their starting rotation. With the exception of yesterday, DeGrom pitching 30 pitches in the first inning. He could have got out of that. It wasn't a bad throw by Pete Alonso. It was right to the bag. I think De- Jacob DeGrom was just a little late getting to the bag. And that's three unearned runs right there. We could be talking about something completely different right now if they made that play. Maybe the Mets sweep the Nationals. They're on a nine-game winning streak, and they hold a lead in the National League wild card. You know, that one game is a completely different ball game. No pun intended. But when you talk about starting rotation and how they're able to get you usually six to seven innings, there's guys in this bullpen that can get the job done. There's guys in this bullpen that need to, you know, step up. Justin Wilson gave up a run yesterday. That can't happen. Jerry's familiar. He lo- I mean, it looked like he pre- is coming together. He pretty much found it. To me, I, his slider looked good. His sinker looked good. He was hitting his spots low in the zone. He wasn't leaving it up. I think Jerry's familiar looked good this week, but I need to see the consistency from these guys. I do. I need to see what Seth Lugo is doing from each of these guys because you're going to need them. It's, if you make a playoff run, if you get into this postseason, you're going to need all hands on deck, especially if you go up against the L.A. Dodgers who actually have the same problem that you do. And I think these are two teams that could go tit for tat with each other. We'll see a little bit of that later this month or I think in early September where uh, the Dodgers come into town. You know, that's going to be a great matchup. But another thing I need to mention is that, you know, this upcoming series with the Atlanta Braves, the division-leading Atlanta Braves, this is a very crucial moment in the Mets' season because you still have nine games with them, including this series. Two of those series are at home. You have six home games against the Atlanta Braves. You need to win six of these nine games. You have to win each and every series. I always say the most important thing for a team to do is beat their division. If you can do that, more power to you. You'll, you'll do just fine. And the Mets right now, when they, they have 26 home games left of their 44 games. That's a lot. That's only 18 road games. And they play much better at home. They're 34 and 21. And for them to be successful the rest of the way, they're going to have to really hone in and take advantage of these home games. It's going to be, it's not going to be easy for them, but they got to go out there and get it done. It's important that the Mets make a run for this because they have the talent. It's there and they put themselves in prime position to do what everyone thought they couldn't do. This is the time to prove them wrong. This is the this is the Mets. They're always the miracle Mets. It always seems to be they always like to make it interesting. They do. I've never gone through a Mets season in my lifetime where I can watch them and they're like the Yankees of this year. Or they're like the Red Sox of last year. Houston of this year. They've never really been a juggernaut. And I'm not really against that either. You know, I, I like to believe that, you know, this is an exciting team to watch. And it is. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When I return, I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Mets and Yankees. And later, we're going to dive into the NFL because week one of the preseason is un- come and gone. And there's a lot to look forward to. You're listening to Nick on the 60 Minute Dash. Stay tuned. 
Connecticut School of Broadcasting founder Dick Robinson. You know, the media business has changed a lot since we opened our doors in 1964. Now media content is everywhere, on air, online, on the go. More than ever, companies are looking for people to help drive this new media. At Connecticut School of Broadcasting, you'll get hands-on training on the latest software and equipment in a matter of months, not years. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has placed thousands of grads in broadcast media careers. It's all about versatility. You see, at a radio station, if you also know how to shoot, edit, and post videos, you become a pretty hot commodity. That's the training you get at Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Connecticut School of Broadcasting with locations up and down the East Coast from Massachusetts to Miami. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Connecticut School of Broadcasting, the nation's oldest and largest group of broadcast media schools. Redefining training in radio, TV, and new media. Get trained. Get connected. 1-800-TV-RADIO. The 60-Minute Dash, powered by All Noise Radio. We got more left, don't you? A whole lot. Don't I thought so. That was hot. That was We're warming up. Going 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School Broadcasting. Nick Pellucci flying solo today with Hunter on vacation. Going to 0-60 to 60 with intense sports talk. We're at the 15-minute mark, and... We talked briefly about the New York Mets and their fantastic run. But one thing I didn't mention is uh, something that's been, you know, lost in the mix, I think. And whether you guys think it's significant or not, you know, Jed Lowry has yet to play a single game this season. Brendan Nimmo hasn't played a game since May with a neck injury. So what, what is their role on this team at this point? You know, after this run, you know, they're, they put themselves in a playoff race, a wild card race that is very, very tight-knit. If you, if you have the time, go out and look at the wild card standings right now. It's ridiculous. If not, I'll just read them to you right now. Because in the National League... You have Washington and St. Louis. Then you have Milwaukee, half game. Mets, one game. Philly, two games. Arizona, three games. San Francisco, three and a half games. Cincinnati, five games. San Diego, six and a half games. With the, with the exception of those like, last two, I mean, it's still up for grabs. Teams have been hot and have cooled off, like the San Francisco Giants. They came out of the All-Star break really surging. So did the Mets. The Phillies have fallen off a little bit. The Mets surpassed them in the National League East standings. The Nationals, they were under 500 at one point. Now they're leading the National League wild card. And Saint, I mean, the NL Central, wide open. Right now, it's the Chicago Cubs. But it's been back and forth between them, St. Louis, Milwaukee, I mean, after the recent struggles, they've finally found it together and won five straight before the loss yesterday. This is a really tough, tough league to play in. I mean, you talk about the American League, you got a 70-game winner in the Houston Astros. You got a 70-game winner in the New York Yankees. A 71-game winning game in Minnesota and Cleveland they're deadlocked at the central division deadlocked 71 and 47 even Tampa Bay they're one game away from 70 wins but you just don't see that in the National League the only 70 game winners you got are the Dodgers at 79 League leading. And the Atlanta Braves at 70 exactly. The next one after that is the Cubs at 64. You just don't see it in the National League. You don't see juggernauts in the National League with the exception of the Dodgers. So going back to my point, you know, with Jed Lowry and Brendan Nimmo, what role are they going to play to, you know, propel the Mets into, you know, digging themselves a spot in this competition. Are they going to have significant roles down the road? You know, they got Joe Panic now, but 
Remember, the Mets don't even have a true center fielder. They don't. Michael Conforto's been playing out there, but he's not a true center fielder. He made a great play yesterday. But that's not enough to convince me that they're a really great defensive team because they're not by any stretch. Joe Panic now is your best defender, defensive player. Pete Alonso plays great for their space, but, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. You know, maybe maybe yesterday's throw could have gone either way. He could have, you know, possibly thrown it more towards DeGrom and not directly at the bag because he knew he wasn't there. But that's an in-time decision. You know, you have a split second to make that decision. So I'm not going to bash him too hard. And you know what? He has 38 home runs this year. So who am I to say anything? He's been one of our best players. He's been the heart and soul of the New York Mets. He developed and coined the term LFGM. Let's remember that. You all know what it stands for. So yeah, these guys have to play. At some point, they're going to come back and you're going to have to find out where to put them. But J.D. Davis, you have to keep him in the lineup. He's one of our best players right now. He develops great at-bats. And he puts the ball in play. And he hits for power. This kid can hit. We saw it this weekend. We saw it all week. We saw it all season, ever since the All-Star break. I think he has the best batting average since July 4th in the Major League, in Major League Baseball. He was batting like 368 since July 1st. 11 home runs. So, you know, I can't take him out of the lineup. Todd Frazier? I mean, I know Hunter didn't like him all in the beginning of the season. He didn't like him during the season. He didn't want him to come back. He didn't want him to play third base. But you know what? He's hitting the ball too. And he hit a clutch home run the other night to tie the game. Down 6-3. A three-run homer by Todd Frazier. That's the magic. And you know what? He brings fire too. He has a little bit of swagger. Rico Suave out there. And you know what? He doesn't care. We saw the beef with him and Adam Eaton earlier this season. Juan Soto hits two on Homer that game, flips his bat. You know what Todd Frazier does? Stares down the dugout and flips the bat himself. That's the kind of grit that you need on a winning ball club. And I think the Mets have it. I do. But enough about the Mets. I mean, we could talk all day about how hot their streak was. They still have a lot of work to do. As for the New York Yankees, they're well on their way to win the division. They've completely gutted out any chances of Boston coming back, crawling back to them. Uh, Right now in the division, they have an eight and a half game lead on the Tampa Bay Rays, and they're in second. At 69 wins. Like I was mentioning earlier, 69 wins, and they're eight and a half games back. That's just how good the Yankees are. They're 43 and 18 at home. They might as well play all their home, all their games at home. They don't lose at home. It's ridiculous. They go on another nine-game winning streak before back-to-back losses to the Toronto Blue Jays. And how do they bounce back? Masahiro Tanaka throws eight shutout innings. When was the last time you saw a game where the Yankees won? One to nothing. When was the last time you saw the Yankees win a game when they scored under two runs? Can you remember? I can't. I cannot remember that day. Because their pitching has been so subpar this year. So putrid. That I can't even fathom the idea that they have 77 wins right now. I just don't get it. Mike Talkman. Might have been the player of the week last week. Gio Urshela. These guys are having multi-home run games. The Yankees continue to break records. And as a Mets fan, it kills me that they have to have every record in Major League Baseball. Right now, it's the most recent one, I believe, was um, the most consecutive games of five home runs or more. We're like the first team to do it. And like it was like three or four games where they had five home runs. It's ridiculous. Every guy on that team can hit. 
DJ LeMahieu is still considered, to me, probably the MVP of this team. And they're continuing to get it done without the pitching. Domingo Herman didn't look great in his last start. And he's been your best guy. But I want to see consistency out of these guys. You need to see the consistency. I mean, uh, this team is built for the regular season. But they're... Uh, come at me if I'm wrong. But I don't think that they're built for the postseason. When have you seen a successful postseason team have the pitching that they have? With a combined team ERA of, I think, four point something. Or it's in the high threes. Correct me if I'm wrong. But that's not what you need. And you know what? I'm not convinced any of their top three starters. I don't know who you're going to plug out there. But whatever your top three is, I'm not so convinced that it can beat a team like the Houston Astros who added Zach Ranke at the trade deadline. I'm not convinced it can beat the Minnesota Twins. I'm not. The Minnesota Twins are a good ball club. Before the season even started, I gave you my predictions. I thought they were going to win the Central with their additions that they made. Even despite not having Nelson Cruz for more than half the season. This team's good. I'm pretty sure they lead the league in home runs. Team home runs. If the Yankees didn't pass them already. But I got to see a little bit more. And guys on the Yankees have to get healthy. And I don't want to sound like I'm bashing the Yankees because they're the best team in Major League Baseball right now. If not one of. But doesn't the pitching scare you? We Beating a dead horse right here. Me and Hunter have talked about this week in and week out. Their pitching just cannot suffice. Despite Tanaka going eight innings. But I want to see consistency. James Paxson. Good start last time. Six and two thirds. Five hits. One run. Seven strikeouts. I need to see more. I really do. I need to see you do it again tonight. And it's against Baltimore again. You should be able to do that. You just pummeled Baltimore at Camden Yards. Pummeled them. Abused them. Go out and do it again. But this time, focus on the pitching. I want to see James Paxton go six and two-thirds again. I want to see him go seven innings. Why? Because when you get to the postseason, that's what you're going to have to do. These guys are going to have to go quite a bit further. I promise you that. Four innings isn't going to cut it. Throwing your bullpen out there for 12 to 15 outs isn't going to cut it. I'm sorry, but it doesn't work that way in Major League Baseball. It does not. So get your mind thinking that these guys are going to go seven innings, six innings every single day for the rest of the season. Put that in your head. You got to condition them because you got to figure out who's your top three starters and you want to see which one proves it the most. Because right now your number one is probably going to be Tanaka. Number two, I don't know, James Paxton or Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman though, is young and he... he I don't, he doesn't have the postseason as an experience, so I might throw up James Paxson there. Just for the sole fact that, you know, he's been there. Domingo Herman, put him at number three. I know he's probably been your most consistent pitcher all year, but like I said, hasn't been there yet. Doesn't know what the atmosphere is like. Totally different animal when you get into the postseason. Very different. The Yankees will probably finish with the second best uh, record in the American League. So they're going to play either Cleveland or Minnesota. And they have Minnesota's numbers. So, I mean, I my confidence is a little bit higher there.
but you know you're going to go to Houston at one point. You got to be ready for them. You have to be. You can't go in there thinking, oh, you know, Chad Green can come in in the fourth inning and uh, give us two innings and then we'll let the rest of the bullpen do the work. No, no. Do not think that you can do that. That does not happen in Major League Baseball. Get that through your head. All you firm believers out there, firm Yankee fan believers in Brian Cashman and not going out and getting an arm, well, he has to he has to walk the walk. He's gonna have to go, go do it. Spitting with fire, man. It's not fun to do. But I do like the Yankees' chances. I think that they I think that they could do something. But it's got to be more than just this offense. I promise you that. This is a 60-minute dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we return, we still have half number two. This is just halftime on our show. We're going to come back and talk about the rest of the Yankees and Major League Baseball. And then later in our show, how about NFL coming back, coming back to life, coming back to New York with promises with Daniel Jones with Sam Darnold at the helm two young quarterbacks with bright futures and we're gonna get our first taste we got our first taste of it on Thursday night we'll talk all about it don't go away you know our jobs occupy more than half our waking hours shouldn't we be doing something we love call Connecticut School of Broadcasting at 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com Since 1964, Connecticut School of Broadcasting, with a network of 12 campuses from Massachusetts to Miami, has helped place thousands of grads as DJs, sportscasters, entertainment reporters, behind the scenes in audio and video production, every aspect of the broadcast media. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has trained men and women of all ages and backgrounds in a matter of months, not years. Learn by doing from area radio and TV pros. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or log on to GoCSB.com. Remember, it's never too late to love what you do. Day and evening classes begin soon. Get trained. Get connected now. Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60-Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60-Minute Dash. And on Twitter, ask questions and answer polls using hashtag Ask60. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Nick Pilchy, not Hunter Highwell, here today as I fly solo. Going 0-60 to 60 with Intense Sports Talk, half number two, underway. And we're going to continue and roll with the New York Yankees and their uh, shenanigans of, you know, completely running away with the National League, uh, the, I'm sorry, the American League East. Um, it's been a wild season, you know, like I said earlier in the show, if you, if you thought for a second before the season even started and I came up to you, I'm like, oh yeah, look, 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 look. I'm going to tell you right now, Yankees are going to be 34 games above 500 later in this season, but there's no Stanton. There's barely any judge. No Sanchez. No, no Severino. And a whole list of other guys. Steve, uh, Luke Voigt. Gone. I rattle off all the names on this list because it's too long and I don't want to take up too much of this show to tell you everybody that's on the IL or has been on the IL this year. Oh, and by the way, your starting, starting rotation combined four year array. You'd be like, you're out of your damn mind, okay? You're out of your mind if you think that you're going to be 34 games above 500 with that kind of team. Oh yeah, Austin Romine's your starting catcher. Uh, Kendrick Malas is going to have to play. Aaron Hicks, you don't know when he's going to. Be an everyday player. 
Brett Gardner is going to get bulk of the playing time. DJ LeMahieu is your MVP. Gio Urshela. Mike Talkman. Dude, this team is not who it was supposed to be. And yet, they're one of the more dominant teams in all of baseball. It still cannot get through my mind. I cannot piece it together. I don't know what it is. I mean, yeah, they, they score six, seven run, eight runs a game. They'll give up five, but they'll always be on the winning end. No matter who you throw out there on the mound, it somehow gets done. And last night, well, we saw an epic battle. One for the ages, actually. You're the Yankee fan. You know all about it. Aroldis Chapman against Vlad Guerrero Jr. with a tying run on first base in the ninth inning. Aroldis Chapman working on back-to-back nights. I'm sorry. He hasn't pitched all week. He hasn't pitched since Monday, actually. Nearly a week goes by, and he makes his first appearance against Vlad Guerrero Jr. A 13-pitch at-bat, ending in Chapman's favor. What a show that they put on last night. And a one nothing ball game, nonetheless. But that's just the kind of Yankees that we saw this year. They always get the edge. They always get the one-up. Jeter's got the edge. Jeter's not here no more, but the Yankees still have that edge. Any more cliches you could come up with for this team? I'm not going to say you got to believe because, you know, that's, that's the Mets thing. But it's just been something else. And I really, I don't know what to expect going in to the postseason. I really don't. Because here you got a 77-win team. You're matching with Houston. You've done pretty relatively well against Houston this year. But I just don't know. This lineup doesn't look like a world championship lineup. And I'm Yankee fans, analysts, everybody across the nation said the Yankees have to win this year. They have to. It's imperative that they go all the way. You came up short in two consecutive seasons. Missed the World Series. It can't happen again. Two years ago was Houston. Last year was Boston. This year you took care of Boston. Boston's not even in the picture at at this very moment. Sitting way deep in the National League East at 16 games. After that four-game sweep. Dreadful. Dreadful Boston. I mean, Chris Sale... All year has not found it. He's been inconsistent. David Price, Rick Porcello, all these guys. I mean, they'll they'll have an outing or two that you know they look like they've come around, and then it's just lost. And the the offense hasn't been the same, with the exception of maybe Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr. I mean, they those guys are doing their job, but across the board, I mean, I'm not convinced that this team was. You know, meant to win this year. Uh, maybe they expended it all last season because last season they didn't have a single drought. They had no hot streak because they were just hot the entire season. One of the greatest runs I've ever seen in Major League Baseball in my lifetime. So, you know, the Yankees don't have to worry about them. Tampa at eight and a half back with a month and a half left to play. Uh,. Unless the Yankees were to go on like a five-game losing streak, which I can't see happening because it hasn't happened all year. And like I mentioned earlier, they just find ways to win. This team does not lose. Does not lose. And they, I mean, they, they have quite amount the same of home games as they have away games for the rest of the season. They play great at home. They're still 11 games above 500 on the road. So, I mean, they've taken care of their division really well this year. And listen, they also have a lineup 
I mean, I'm sorry, uh, schedule, that's a bit in their favor. They play another four-game series against the Orioles. They play home against the Indians. That's going to be an important series for the Indians more than the Yankees. That's a must-win for the Indians right there. If they want to come up, uh, if they want to, you know, take control of the Central. Then you got the Athletics on the road. Dodgers are probably the best team you're going to play for the rest of August. I'd really like to see how that series turns out. I mean, the A's, uh, you play two series against them. I, they're, they're a good team. They're a ball, good ball club. So I don't know. I, I really would love to see what happens with this team. There's a lot going on. And you know what? Another thing to keep in mind, too, is, you know, even your guys that you expected to be your big haulers this year, the Aaron Judges, the Glaber Torreses, these are guys who haven't had particularly Phenomenal season. I mean, the Glaber Torres now, but earlier in the season, you know, he couldn't stay healthy. And even then, you know, J.J. Lemayhu had to pretty much carry the freight. And he still is. Because right now, Aaron Judge is nowhere near to where we expect him to be. Having a subpar season, to for me at least, you know, the... the I'm... Uh, Aaron Judge is a guy that I expect to have, you know, X amount of home runs by this juncture of the season. And at this very moment, it's been not what you wanted from him. In just 20, 228 at-bats, he has 62 hits and only 12 home runs and a two seventy two batting average. Batting average is okay for a power hitter. But it's just 30 RBIs, 469 slugging percentage. This is not the Aaron Judge that we know. And that proves my point further. That it's next man up and it doesn't matter who you put in this lineup. Because for him to have a season like that and still make the All-Star game, I'm not even going to go into that. It's come and gone. The past is the past. For him to have a season like that, you're still winning ball games. You still got guys like Gio Urshela, who has 17 home runs, batting 323 in thir- 313 at bats, 61 RBIs, 940 OPS. What is that? I mean, are you kidding me? That's the guy. These are the guys that you're putting out there. Mike Talkman, 300 batting average, 12 home runs, 960 OPS. Come on. Come on. Mike Talkman. A guy who was in the lineup when we had a slew of in- injuries and. We were all saying, all right, he's the first one to be sent down. He is not gonna he is not a good fit for this team. Not a good fit. But here he is. In the last couple games or so, he's really put it together. It uh, what do you have? Three home runs in two days? It's just been that kind of season for the Yankees. Next man up. Doesn't matter who. Because they're going to, someone's going to come in and do their job. But I'm not so sure that's what, you know, this is all in the hands of Brian Cashman. But at some point, it's got to be like, 
did I really did he really know what he was doing or is this is this just is this just luck? I don't know, man. I'll believe it when they hold the commissioner's trophy. I'll believe it then. But for right now, I'm not so sold that these guys, this specific bunch, without the Aaron Judges, without the Stantons, without all those guys, I'm not sold that this is the team yet. Without Luis Severino, I'm not sold that this is the team yet. They're, they, they, they're, one, they're one chip away. One chip away from being my favorites in the American League. But right now, i got to hand that chip to the Houston Astros. You're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. When we return, or when I return... I'm going to wrap up the show with the NFL preseason. Jets and Giants playing the Snoopy Bowl on Thursday. Um, our first look at Daniel Jones and what we have in store for each of their seasons. You're listening to Nick on the 60 Minute Dash. Don't go away. All Noise Radio. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. All Noise Radio is an internet radio station that's fully produced by graduates of the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. From modern rock to old school hip-hop, country to classical, news, talk, sports, and more. It's the noise you can't ignore. Log on to allnoiseradio.com. Fire up the station. Find out more about your favorite jocks. Get the latest CSB news and more. Plus, you can take All Noise Radio with you on the go for free. Just download the Live 365 app to your iPhone, iPod Touch, or BlackBerry and search All Noise Radio. Check out tomorrow's broadcasters today at allnoiseradio.com. Powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Ho, 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 ho! Santa Claus is here! Huddle up! It's the 60-Minute Dash with your hosts, Hunter Highwell and Nick Pellucci. The 60-Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting, going 0-60 to with intense sports talk. And we're at the 45-minute mark. With Nick Pellucci, Hunter Highwell, not here today. He's on vacation. He'll be back soon. But for now, we're cutting into the NFL preseason. Boy, it's just awesome to be a New York sports fan at this juncture of the year, 29, August 2019. It's exciting. You got a, I mean, for the most part, you got a promising season coming up for the New York Rangers, as well as the New York Islanders. I mean, they made it to the... They swept the Penguins in the Stanley Cup playoffs this past season. The Mets coming around and actually making a bid for a postseason run. The Yankees doing what the Yankees do, dominating the league. And as for the Jets and Giants, I mean, the Jets a little bit, eh, I mean, they have a tough first game. It was seven games of the season. If they go four and three, I mean, I think they're in good shape, and I think they can make a playoff push at ten and six. And the New York Giants, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, there has been so much mix of emotion stirring around um, between Giants fans, uh, you know, analysts, the professionals, everybody. I don't know what the Giants are yet. I, I don't know what their intentions are. Because, look, they have a pretty, pretty decent defense, if you ask me. And we saw last year with the rookie Lorenzo Carter and company. I mean, they lost Landon Collins. But, but aside from that, I mean, this team pretty much showed up every week. They had the lead in the fourth quarter in the majority of their games. They gave it up, and that's party probably part fault of the defense. Maybe it's the coaching. But for the most part, they've held their own. And we saw a bit of a glimpse of it on Thursday at the Snoopy Bowl with the Jets and Giants, who played in week one this year of the preseason. It has never been done before. In their 51st annual interstate rivalry game, they play week one 
as opposed to the traditional week three. And I actually found out this morning why that was so in my research. Um, apparently, three of the four opponents that the Giants face in the preseason this year are actually also on their regular season schedule. And because towards the end of the preseason, they start playing their starters a little bit more and using their packages that they use in the season a little bit more. They didn't want to give away too much to the New York Jets. Who I, which I understand. I am not against that by any stretch because the Giants and Jets do in fact play this year. On November 10th. Not 100% sure which week that is. But it's in November. The Jets will play as the home team. So, I mean, but what did we see in the first NFL preseason game between these two teams? Because to me, I saw that, you know, I'm not going to get too high on this with Daniel Jones and his first drive of his professional career, although it was preseason. But yes, it was preseason. So, you know, I'm not going to get too high on this for the mere fact that it's the first drive of preseason. Everybody's fresh. Everything's new. Um, You're getting your first looks. It's not all that serious. But listen, the kid is an athlete. And I'm not going to take that away from him. You got to give credit where credit is due. And to me, I think Daniel Jones has the potential. But I also agree with Hunter. They can't do what the Jets did and start him week one. Especially when you have Eli Manning. You don't let Eli Manning go out like that as a mentor. He is a mentor, but don't let him go out like that. Eli Manning, this is his last season to really shine. And he's not going to shine because the Giants aren't... I don't think that they're playoff ready. I don't. Could they go 10-6? and six? Sure. They got to prove it to me, but they can do it. It's not impossible. They've shown me that they can beat good teams. They've done it in the past. They did it last year. But if you look at this team on paper, and if you look at this team on you know the history... With Pat Shermer, whatever history there is with Pat Shermer, Dave Gettleman, who could be down to his last season as a GM. Pat Shermer could be down to his last season as a head coach ever. And to me, that's another reason why you have to have Eli Manning in there. If I'm two, if I'm these two guys, I want to, you know, salvage my my job. I don't want to risk. You know, demoralizing the development and career of Daniel Jones because he is the future. So you got to salvage that. I think that it's very important for the Giants to keep Daniel Jones under the wing of Eli Manning, at least for the first half of this season. And then if, you know, they're completely out of it, there's no hope. You toss Daniel Jones in there and you see what he can do in a you know regular season atmosphere in the NFL. There's no hurt in that. Maybe he'll upset a few teams and then you know what? It looks good on Pat Shermer. It looks good on Dave Gettleman. That's what you need to do. You can't throw him out there week one. You can't have him start the season, rather. Because if you go one and five... It just, it, it's not, it doesn't look good on Daniel Jones. You don't make the playoffs. Gettleman and Sherman probably lose their jobs. You bring in a whole new system. And then Daniel Jones is going to have to learn a new system. And what good is that for him? To me, that is probably the worst thing that you could do for Daniel Jones. Because like I said, this guy is an athlete and he can play. A lot of you haven't seen him before because he played at Duke, and Duke's games don't get televised. It's not like Kyler Murray, 
who's he's been the spotlight for two years. A guy who also could have signed a minor league contract with the Oakland Athletics. We saw enough of him. No one saw Daniel Jones. Your first real look at Daniel Jones live was Thursday night. And I think he did an outstanding job. You know, he played one drive. Five for five, 67 yards. Got himself a little touchdown in a nice tight-knit spot. Good for him. Good for him. And you know what? He pretty much matched Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's numbers were almost identical. 68 yards, a touchdown, four for five. These two guys are the future of New York football on their respective clubs. That should that right there should just get you excited if you're a Jets or Giants fan. Giants fans, I'm talking to you. Don't be a hater. Because you didn't know the guy. You know, everybody wants what's popular. Everybody wants what everyone else has. Everybody else wants the next big thing, the newest thing. Everybody has to go get the brand new iPhone, the brand new iPad, the brand new Jeep Wrangler. Want to know why? Because it's new. It's fresh. Everybody has to be the first to have something. Everybody has to have what's popular so they can make everybody else feel bad. Well, the Giants and Dave Gettleman wanted Daniel Jones at the number six overall pick. And that's what they got. And that's what you got. And that's what you're going to get. Daniel Jones is the future quarterback of the New York Giants. Don't sell him out yet. Don't sell him out yet. It's been one preseason game. He had one drive. And he was perfect. Now don't chew up my words and spit them out as if I'm saying that Daniel Jones is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. Don't say that I'm saying that he's a future Hall of Famer or that he's elite. Because I'm not saying that yet. He hasn't proved anything yet. The only thing that he has proved is that he deserves to be looked at. He deserves a shot to prove himself. That's what he deserves. But it's not going to come at the expense of Gettleman's and Shermer's careers as head coach and general manager. So you can't start him week one. Give it one more year. Let E.I. Manning ride it out. See where it goes after the first third or first half of the season. Because it goes by quick. You blink right now and we'll be in week eight already. It happens to me every year. I look up and I'm going to say, how, how is it halfway through the season already? I'm already saying about that I'm already saying that about the baseball season. Ridiculous that there's only 44 games left of the Mets season. Ridiculous. It's crazy. The years go by fast, man. It's all relative. And you just have to stay hopeful. Live for the moment. Love your team now. Love your team always. Always be faithful for your team. I know the Mets faithful are believing right now. Giants fans should be hopeful. I mean, like I said, I can't see them as necessarily contenders, but they can be. I'm not saying they are, but they can be. There's a shot. The Jets. Sam Darnold proved himself last year. Hunter and I talked about it last week and how he developed in the second half after his injury. And now he's got weapons. He's got guys that want to be on this team. I'm excited for this season. For the Jets, for the Mets, for all New York sports. 
And before I go, I just want to know what you guys think. Head over to the Twitter page at the 60 Minute Dash and send us your questions using hashtag Ask Sissy. I want to know what you think about the Giants season. What do you think about Daniel Jones? Sam Darnold for you Jets fans. I want to know what you guys think about the Yankees and what what they're going to be in the playoffs. Do you think that they can win with this pitching that they have? Who are you starting games one, two, and three? The Mets? Are they going to make it to the playoffs? Are they going to continue this run? Or will they fall off? You guys let me know what you think on Twitter. As for now, you're listening to 60 Minute Dash on All Noise Radio, powered by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Follow the 60 Minute Dash on Twitter and on Instagram at the 60 Minute Dash. Ask questions, answer polls. Nick and Hunter, or Hunter and myself, will be back on Monday doing it live on Instagram Live. For those of you who listen to CastBox, we'll be on there too. But that's all it for now. And we'll talk to you next time.